In this new series of the RecEx podcast, we talk diversity and inclusion within the tech space in Birmingham and the West Midlands. Um, back in May of uh, this year, the horrible death of George Floyd brought things to a head. Um, and finally, it's a time for a change. And being someone in the recruitment market where there's been, you know, examples of clients um, have unconsciously been racist and have looked to hire um, against someone of colour, um, I felt that now was a time to step up um, and make a change. And so three months ago came along Diversity in Tech Brum, uh, an initiative to create an equal platform for not only young people of now, um, but also looking to make a change through really diving into people's actual experiences throughout their life. So in some of these episodes, you will hear some very uncomfortable stories, but it's about time we had uncomfortable conversations. So this podcast is going to promote those stories. We're going to be talking to business owners who are coming from all walks of life. You don't have to be a person of colour to be an ally. As I've always said, Stronger Together will bring more collaboration. It will bring more cross-pollination of ideas. But more importantly, if we storytell, if we share people's experiences, hopefully we will educate. We will allow more allies to listen who will then want to join the movement as we look to create equal opportunities for underrepresented and other ethnic backgrounds. So we hope you enjoy the podcast. Let's go. Good afternoon and welcome to another episode of the RecEx podcast. Um, today I'm joined by Ria from Vanti. So thank you for joining us today, Ria. No I'm going to hand over the reins to you. So do you want to give our listeners a quick introduction? Yeah, sure. So I work for um, a technology company based in Birmingham called Vanti. We specialize in technology in the built environment and kind of how we use technology and integrate different systems to provide a much better experience for the, for the users of the building. My role within the company has, has changed quite a bit over the years. I originally sort of did marketing work for them under my own company. Then I was so, I just really fell in love with the business and then kind of gradually shifted in, became, became indoctrinated, if you will. And, um, and then kind of, I just go where I'm, I'm needed to now. So I've, I've spent the last, uh, spent the last couple of years um, with our um, service team who do all our customer support. And now I'm kind of transitioning into a bit more of a company wide role, sort of primarily specializing in, in, in people development and, and process development as well. So it's a very internal role, but it's, it's really gratifying in terms of actually being able to action change and support people. Yeah, nice. So before we get into uh, Vanity and your journey um, into uh, internally, um, what where do you start then? Did you did you go to university? Yeah, what was your background? <laughs> yeah, I've uh, I did a I actually did a talk last year at um, Didfest Diversity and Digital Festival, the the first one um, where I kind of presented my route into tech, and it's I did a graph that was like the squiggliest graph that you've ever seen in your life. It's uh, it's been a very non-linear journey. So I did um, geography at university and then I did a master's in meteorology and climatology. And then I went to work in fashion for a bit. <laughs> then I went wow. to work in marketing and through marketing, um, I then kind of transitioned into like marketing in tech, especially I did um, marketing for a web design agency for a while before starting my own marketing consultancy that was targeting um, tech startups especially just kind of because of the environment I, I was in I was based over at Innovation Birmingham um, loads and loads of tech startups they're really promising but a lot of them are kind of founded by companies that uh, or even individuals that haven't really got the sort of first idea how to approach a market and and how to actually position their services in a way that will really resonate with hopefully their end users yeah. Um, so I kind of carved out a little bit of a niche in terms of helping companies get those assets together, understand who they were talking to and how to talk to them and just make sure everything they were doing was, was as targeted as possible. Because obviously when you're, when you're a startup, it's really important to make sure you're, you're running very efficiently and everything is, you know, as optimized as possible. You can't kind of have any degree of waste. So it was just to help them sort of get off the ground and 
and, and, and know how to talk to the people they wanted to talk to, really. Yeah. yeah. And then I said, um, Vanti, Vanti were one of my clients in that role. I kind of fell out of love with, I'm not even sure I was ever in love with marketing, to be honest. It was more of a marriage of convenience, really. So <laughs> I, um, I always said that to be a good marketer, you needed to be good at like, you needed to be good at writing. You needed to be creative. You need to be good at understanding people and you need to understand data. And I was like, oh, I've got all those. I'm good at all of those. Um, so I just kind of, I just sort of fell into it. And it, I, it was just something I was naturally, like I seemed to have a bit of a natural aptitude for, but I didn't, I didn't really get any joy from it. It did not spark joy in me. No. Um, so um, yeah, I had a chat with um, Mike, who's the CEO of Anti, a couple of, well, it's been May, May three years ago, actually, I think. Um, and, uh, and he was like, oh, well, you know, if you're not really sure what you want to do, why don't you just come and sort out our marketing strategy? Because we've never really kind of put that much time and effort into it because Vanti very much get a lot of their work through referrals and repeat business. Uh, and what we do is, is, is fairly hard to kind of distill into like um, a little statement that everyone can wrap their heads around. So you're like, come and do that. And, and while you're doing that, um, you can then sort of work out what you're going to do next in like a non-marketing and as I said, I just sort of really fell in love with Vanti. It's the only company, well, one of two companies, um, and the other one's now kind of been bought out, so probably one company that I've ever really known that is very much kind of put values front and centre rather than as an exercise in, in marketing and branding. So, you know, the five company values we've got here are mastery, integrity, discovery, fun and care, and they're very much like lived and, lived and breathed every single day. And I just... I just really appreciated the kind of transparency of the company, mm. like the real drive to, to do better, not just, you know, in terms of the work we were doing, but also who we were as a, as a business and the amount of time and effort that's actually invested in, in development. And also the fact that we always hold our hands up and go, we're not doing it perfectly. There's, there's always room for improvement. We've, we've got a ton of processes that are missing. We've got a ton of development to do but let's actually spend time and invest in actually getting that work done. So yeah, that's kind of brought me up to where I am. To now. where you are now. And that's actually where, where we were going to go anyway. So where, where are we now? And, and we're obviously going to get onto some, some, some pressing topics in a bit anyway, but um, how, how has it unfolded from marketing to more that whole people and culture side? Yeah. Well, I think it's, you know, as I've sort of grown older, I've grown a lot of more understanding about what's important to me and what my own kind of personal values and interests are. And I really, really love improving stuff. I like to build a process. I'm a very naturally organized person and I'm quite good at going, oh, this is where you're trying to get to. Uh, what does that then break down into? How do we put that into actionable steps? So I'm quite good at process development, but I also have a real interest in people. I'm pretty nosy, actually. <laughs> never, never knows. I'm, I'm really fascinated by kind of people and how everyone's different. And um, I'm always, I'm always, I always love meeting people that are very different to me because I'm like, oh, your brain is obviously wired in like a completely different way. You're good at things that I'm terrible at and vice versa. Yeah. And I think we've got like a real good mix of, of sort of like that here. Like we've got people that are organized and, um, you know, love a process can kind of plan things out and manage things really well. But then on the other end of the spectrum, we've got those people that are just like great when you're in a, an absolute bind, like it's the 11th hour and things need fixing, things need doing. And they're just like, don't worry, I've got this. They, they would have been rubbish like a month ago, but now they're like stepping up to the plate. And I just, I love how those kind of different mixes of personalities and approaches and, um, those kind of natural aptitudes, like, in a, in a sort of good system, they just really complement um, each other and, and work really well together. And I think that's probably what's kind of made me really interested in things from like a DNI um, standpoint as well. Like I've seen for myself, like when you have differences, it's a good thing. It, mm. it creates a much more stable, stronger whole yeah. um, when you have kind of all those different inputs because, you know, you just, you're just opening yourself up to a world where you haven't got that experience and you don't know. And interestingly, I used to very much consider myself like, I'm a lone wolf. I can't be like, I can't be managed. No one can, no one can tame me. And one of the first bits of work I did when I came to Vanti um, to help with their marketing strategy was I went around the company and, um, and sort of spoke to everyone to kind of get info on stuff. Cause 
there is kind of a culture here of like, you know, if you want to do something, you can do it. Just make sure you seek input and, um, and, and make sure it makes sense from the business perspective. But everyone's kind of empowered to like make change themselves. There isn't like a, oh, I have to get it signed off by leadership thing. And so I, I was um, talking to someone about a project that I kind of wanted to, to run with. And um, I thought I had it all. Like I thought I'd like got it all planned out and like I knew everything. And then like, I probably spoke to about three or four people and they were like, oh, but have you thought about this? And I was like, no, actually I haven't. And, uh, and now, I, now I think that that's a really good idea and, and it'd be a lot better. And it was a bit, of an, a bit of a check for my ego in a way, because I was like, oh, I just thought I'd be really good. And I thought I'd know what to do here, but it made me kind of go, I don't know at all. These people have got really valuable input. They've had different experiences. They come at it from a different perspective. And that's going to then, you know, create a, a much better end result. Yeah, it's 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 fascinating because I think most people either specialise in it or they are, you know, through 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 HR in terms of that background and then want to to move forward on that side. Um, I think let's let's talk about Vanity in this in this instance because evidently the company have embodied you and entrusted you to do this as opposed to let's do a tick box exercise and you need to have a CIPD or you need to have this or you need to have that. So why do you think that's the route they took? Apart from you obviously being a willing candidate, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, I think we as a company have done a very good job of hiring based on the people rather than the skills they bring to the table. Like the role I went into when I sort of came out of the marketing thing, on paper, like you'd be like, well, her CV doesn't say she should be suitable for this yeah. talk. But, you know, it was the skills that I had. And obviously, you know, I was fortunate in the sense that they already knew me. So they were like, oh, well, if it's people and organization stuff, then yeah, she'd, she'd be great at it. But we try and do that as much as possible. We try and kind of bake that into our interviewing process. So one of the bits of feedback we, we often get from interviewees is like, I've never had an interview like that before. And from my perspective now, it's like, they're not that weird. We just chat a lot and we don't we don't kind of go through like those traditional interview questions yeah. of like tell me about your experience let's talk through your cv it's much more like oh you know if you were in, engaged in conflict with someone how would you kind of go about resolving that or like you know what's been a time where you've received feedback and you didn't agree with it and we've just kind of tried to get more to the core of who they are as a person mm. rather than what their experience is and you know what qualifications they have and i think that then kind of gives us a bit more in terms of people who can kind of go oh I can like do this in a different way or I can think about it in a different way and that then sort of means that as a whole company we've got a lot of individuals capable of sort of making decisions and running with them and and kind of coming together in groups quite organically based on interests and, and then go we think we should be doing this and you know we're fortunate in in the sense that you know and the two directors of the company have kind of empowered the company as a whole to to sort of do things like that themselves and um we're kind of working on uh, a lot around our org structure right now um so there's a book called reinventing organizations by um a guy called frederick lou which is kind of based on um decentralized organizations so rather than your traditional kind of leadership at the top then like then your directors and your management and everything filtering down to the little guy at the bottom. It's much more about kind of the company as an organism and different kind of cells and groups of people coming together to, to sort of fulfill different roles and needs. And sometimes they can then be disbanded and people can kind of move elsewhere. And it's, it's, it's more sort of like skills and need based rather yep. than you're going to fit neatly, neatly into this nice box and you're going to be a cog in the machine you'll know your exact role and function. So that's something we're kind of trying to work out at the moment, how we can kind of like really embed that and, and step away from that. Like, you know, everything has to go through a, a sort of leadership structure, which is, you know, not without challenges, but it is, it's, it's really interesting work. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just very gratifying to kind of work for a company where you do sort of feel like you can kind of make decisions. And I, I, I think, what, what, as I said, when I when I was like on my own and like a bit of a, a lone wolf, I was like, I will never, I will never work for a company again, um, because I don't want to be managed. And in my previous role, um, my previous boss had just, he hadn't like, he, he'd been a terrible manager. He just, 
he was a manager because he owned a company, not because he was like actually good at leading people. Um, so that kind of left me with a very bitter taste. And I, for whatever reason, I just naturally rail against being told what to do. I'm <laughs> terribly contrary. And I'm just like, no, you're going to tell me what to do. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I like everything's my own idea. It's like, you know, I can absolutely recognize that as a, as a flaw in myself. Um, but Coming into Vanti, I've, I've never felt, I've never once felt managed. Like, mm. I don't feel like anybody is telling me what to do. And partially that's because, like, the two directors don't have time. But it's a lot of it's because they acknowledge that, um, you know, what I kind of bring to the table in terms of my skills and my experience is different to what they do. And that's the same company wide. So I think people are a lot more opening to listen, uh, open to listening because of that. So if we kind of approach it from a point of somebody else is going to bring something else and you're going to listen to that and it's going to be different from how you think, then it, it kind of means you can go, oh, I didn't think about it like that. You've actually got a really good point. Maybe I trust you to do this instead. And, and if, especially if that's driven by passion as like the kind of work we're doing um, around DNI and some work we've done previously around mental health as well. The people that are kind of like, leading on that work and kind of acting as a bit like the core sort of affinity group on that stuff mm. they're really passionate about that they're really interested in doing it and so because of that it's really kind of easy for um like the directors to actually kind of hand over the reins and go no you would do this you would do this better than we would you're going to do you're going to do justice to this there's one of them over there <laughs> <laughs> i'll just i'll just go and them afterwards and be like i've just been telling him telling him how great you are they're not um, in their room, are they? They're not <laughs> No, I've, I've taken, over, taken over one of the meeting rooms. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, uh, they, they, they very much sort of trust people to go, if, if you're passionate about doing this and, and you can kind of go, this is why I want to do it. And obviously we are a business, so you, there has to be like a business case, but obviously the business case for b and is, is super easy anyway. So, um, you know, it, it gives people the kind of opportunity to go, oh, I've, I've got sign off on this. I can mm. run with it. And then if I ever do need to kind of get input, it's more sort of, it's more sort of soliciting input and just sort of commercial sign off than anything else. So, yeah. you know, yeah. it's, I don't have full picture over like company cash flow. Like we're very, very open with cash flow, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not very commercially minded. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> so just like, I wouldn't have the confidence myself to make, big commercial decisions about where we're spending money like if you know if we were if we were to be getting a speaker in to help us with some some of our dni work like i would just sort of want to be like is this like a sensible amount to spend on this? <laughs> but it's it's more sort of just like a sense check and a and a confirmation rather than a permission thing yeah and i think that just makes everyone just feel so much more comfortable about doing things and we don't we just don't really then have a kind of blame culture it's it is a lot more like oh, you know, actually that's wrong, but it's not wrong because you've done the wrong thing. It's wrong because we probably didn't tell you and maybe we need to work out how to do that so it doesn't happen again. Yeah, it makes, makes perfect sense. I think, you know, this is a perfect example of empowerment, you know, that regardless of where you sit in the business, you don't need to be power hungry. You don't need to throw your, your weight around. It's all about trust and delegation. But I've got a bit of a question. We talked about culture, we talked about values, and then we've obviously talked about diversity and inclusion. In your opinion, where do you think diversity and inclusion meets culture and values? Oh, that's, that's a good question. Well done. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, it's, I think they, I think you need to have inclusion and inclusion is always the bigger one for me because, you know, you can have diversity until the cows come home, but if you haven't got true inclusion, it's, it's sort of meaningless in a way. Yeah. If you're not actually making people feel welcome at the table, you're bringing them into the room, but you're not giving yeah. them a seat at the table. You're not giving them that yeah that's yeah, yeah exactly um that needs to be core to a culture even if it's kind of not explicitly listed as like a, a value it needs to be there in like the day-to-day -day of the company there needs to be an active degree of thinking about inclusion and sort of restructuring the way the company runs and um the sort of thought process people go through to, to be as inclusive as possible. And I think that that needs, that's not something that's gonna come naturally a lot of the time because we, as humans, I think we tend to, we tend to stick to what we know, um, yeah. which is obviously why a lot of um, hiring decisions end up with just like people clones of themselves. 
Um, but so I need, I think with culture, uh, with company culture, there needs to be an, like a very proactive and mindful approach to actually being inclusive and, and making sure we're not just sort of hiring ourselves, for example, or um, going, oh, well, I can walk up the stairs so anyone can walk up the stairs and things, <laughs> things like that. And, and, and sort of, you know, owning up to mistakes and, and, and things you can do better. Like what, one of the things that really kills me about our current office building is that it's, it's not disabled friendly at all um, and we're in a bit of a we're in a bit of a tricky situation because the building we're in right now is is fairly old I believe it's due to be demolished in a few years we've got um, we've got a limited lease left on it and we will outgrow it anyway like we're, we're growing we're still through you know through the turmoil of the past few months we're still hiring we're still growing um, so then it's like oh well as a business do we then want to want to make this building like fully accessible and, and can we afford to put a lift in if we're going to like move out and, eat? and just it, it really sort of kills me that we we couldn't right now hire a person in a wheelchair unless we said to them oh it's okay you can go through the loading bay when you come in every day and that's not that's not again that's like diverse that, that's not inclusive is it so um <laughs> yeah so um yeah just to kind of go back uh off, off on that tangent <laughs> um I think it's really important to to kind of go. All right, if we want a culture of true in inclusivity yeah. uh, and diversity, we we need to we need to invest in it, and we need yeah. to be mindful of it, and we actually need to do the work rather than just going. Oh yeah, everyone's welcome. It's like, are they actually welcome? Like, mm. you know, do the work to, to sort of do an audit essentially of 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 the culture and the company right now, and and look at where you're failing and look at how you can make it better and then just constantly be learning and constantly be evolving and just listening as well and giving people the opportunity to provide their own input and their own perspective so we can kind of just continue like we're never gonna we're never gonna be like 100% diverse 100% inclusive whatever that looks like it's it's, it's going to be a continuous evolution yeah. okay so we'll, we'll we'll go back to that point then when it comes to diversity for Vanti. Um, and we are going to talk about your uh, campaign um, in a bit. But if I could ask, um, what what do you think a diverse workforce does for a business like Vanti? I think, I mean, I think a diverse workforce benefits everyone generally. But I think with a company like Vanti, especially where we are very innovative, the technology we work with is is like, I don't want to say cutting edge because it sounds so low. Also, it's just, it's just slightly, it's just slightly under cutting edge because if it's cutting edge, there's a lot of risk involved in that. So it's a yeah. little bit more tried and tested, but we're also like, um, we're innovating constantly. We, when we, um, when we don't have a good enough solution in place for something because the technology doesn't exist, we, we create it. We've got a fantastic team of developers and engineers who will just be like, Oh, this thing we want to do doesn't actually exist right now that's fine we'll build it so we've um we've recently come up with our own desk booking system and desk controlling system because the things that were on the market kind of weren't really good enough and didn't really integrate well enough with systems that we wanted them to we've come up with our own um uh, platform called smart core which is like a smart building framework which we're going to open source things that like you know things that other companies would just be like oh, no that doesn't exist we can't do it we're very much like no we can do it we'll work it out we're not going to be able to do that kind of thing unless we've got like a huge range of experiences, skills and approaches. If everybody in our company looked, thought, felt the same way, had the same experience, we'd come up with the blandest stuff in the world. But it's, it's through this kind of collaborative approach that we take and bringing everyone's ideas in and going, oh, yeah, but we could do that. Or, oh, yeah, we could do that. Or, oh, well, when I went to this place, I saw that. Maybe we should bring that in as well. If you if you can get to that point, and then you also have a culture that's very accommodating of conversations like that and supportive of that sort of approach, then that that is going to lead to the strongest possible companies and the strongest outcomes for us, and then obviously our clients as well. And then it's kind of a bit of a self fulfilling thing. Like if we're building cooler stuff and doing cooler stuff, we'll attract more interesting people, more values, more like everything just kind of comes into this big like melting part and um the outcome is just really cool technology and people have a great time when they go into buildings really and for me like 
that that sort of range of experience it doesn't just come from like you know colors of skin or sexuality it's everything everything together like the whole kind of piece around intersectionality like you know if you look at someone that's um been to university and kind of got all the um you know technical qualifications through that versus someone that maybe came from a less privileged background and couldn't afford to go to university so sort of worked in the field picked things up that way those two individuals coming together will have very different approaches very different sort of backgrounds and experiences but by coming together they're just bringing that into one and it just makes it a much much stronger whole really so i think from my perspective like there's there's no downside to having having an inclusive culture and having like as many different people around the table as you can as you can possibly accommodate and um you know i think i think the only real challenge comes in is like what is what is too much in terms of diversity something that we've sort of spoken about internally it's like well if we if we're sort of being truly accepting of all mindsets do we want to bring nazis in <laughs> which is like which is you know a bit of like a left field thing but and it is i think it's it's worth kind of considering as well and what i've sort of thought about recently with, with things like that is you know all all mindsets are welcome all all, all opinions are welcome as long as you're not doing harm i think that's yeah. what it kind of comes down to for me basically yeah. I like that a lot and I think actually it's um <clears throat> you've hit it on its head I think actually when we talk about diversity and inclusion it can be broken down quite simply as you said maybe gender equality or you know race but actually we've got to be looking at experiences at all levels right and that's inter intersectionality is a perfect um word for that um so it takes us nicely onto your, your the piece of work that you guys have done so I, I, I don't know if you want to start by just explaining literally how Vanti are tackling racism and, and, and where, did it, where did it come from and, and how did it all unfold? Yeah, so, um, so I was triggered by the, the murder of um, George Floyd back in, um, back in May and the, obviously the rising again of the Black Lives Matter movement and, and how it kind of, you know, was very much at the fore of the kind of public consciousness at that time. We, just as a as a company we'd started to kind of share some resources and, and have some kind of discussions and then we were like no let's make this a little bit more structured let's actually kind of bring this together properly have a sort of group that isn't a static group like generally we'll have like the same people kind of in most weeks but it's been very much communicated across the company that it's a uh, it's a drop in drop out this isn't going to be like a six month project and then we're done over the lifetime of Vanti, this, this work will, will kind of be continuing so people can kind of add and um, remove themselves whenever based on their own kind of capacity and workflow. But we, we essentially kind of came together as this, um, as this group to discuss the issues and then try and build a bit of structure around how we were then going to make things better at Vanti. So we sort of started um, by kind of putting together this, this bit of a canvas around what we wanted to actually achieve, why would we were doing it, um, what would happen if we didn't do it, and then looking at kind of how that would all filter down into actual activities. Um, so again, kind of taking that big sort of picture strategy into the day-to-day -day, yeah. um, and, and looking at it from sort of the perspective of both the business um, and like what's the business need for this and then what's the kind of human need for it as well. Um, and, and what we ended up doing was kind of coming up with uh, a sort of program that would affect individuals, Vanti as a company, and then the sort of tech community and Birmingham communities that we operate in as well. Um, and we've basically just spent sort of uh, the past ooh, God, three, three months or so, just getting to the point where we're like, okay, the framework is now in place. We can actually start launching this and commencing the activities. So um, a couple of weeks ago, we, we published um, a blog post, which was actually the first sort of thing we, we put out about uh, Vanti's, Vanti's stance on um, the Black Lives Matter movement and um, I think it was important to me that we 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 didn't sort of do like a knee-jerk reaction like we're not doing this in a performative way we're doing it very much as a long-term internal endeavor so you know if, if anyone had turned around and gone oh Vanti I haven't said anything about Black Lives Matter I'd be like yeah but we've also done a ton of work so <laughs> you know we wanted to kind of have a very considered and strategic approach to it so so it would last you know 
problem yeah. with knee-jerk reactions is they, you know, they can they can be great for kind of kicking things off, but unless that momentum is there and you've mm. actually sort of put the put the um, groundwork in place, then it's just going to fizzle out into nothing, and then you've essentially wasted that time. Um, and yeah. I also think doing that kind of undermines the long-term effort as well because. It sort of it matters and then it doesn't. Whereas if you are really going to embed it in and, and and sort of keep that sort of weekly slot sacred like we've done, and um and and just make sure we're we're taking a very long term approach that we can sustain. It's just going to become so embedded into Vante when new starters join us. They'll see it. They'll know it's there. It'll be part of their onboarding. And it will just, I, I just really want it to kind of become very intrinsic to the, to the work that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we've, um, we, we've got to the point where we've actually started activities now. We've um, put out a survey within the company that is uh, going to be closing next week. So then we can kind of review. Um, we, we've sort of looked at knowledge, people's knowledge of, of um, racism and, and certain terms as well. So we can kind of make sure we're all on the same page in terms of the language we're using. Um, how much people care about it um and and what they sort of want to get out of it as well and the care part was really important to me because i have a feeling that um there will be people that come back and go i don't really care about us doing this and to me hopefully that will change um as a result of some of the education work we're doing where we actually explain to them why it's important but i don't think we're ever going to get a hundred percent of people being like i really really care about this and to me, that's okay as long as they don't turn into detractors. If they're detractors, that's yeah. a problem. If, if they're just sort of going, oh, this doesn't really feel like a priority for me. Okay, maybe it's not going to be. The best we can do by them is just give them the tools and the knowledge to understand why it should be a priority. And hopefully that will kind of increase their care a little bit. But um, I think key, key to just making sure we kind of bring every long, everyone along for the journey is just getting this education piece done, bringing in some people that have got like a lot of experience, that are very, very capable of talking about this. Um, I think as a small business, what, what, what we might have been guilty of in the past is trying to kind of do everything ourselves. But, you know, there is going to need to be actual monetary investment in this in terms of bringing people in and, um, and getting, them, getting them to actually share their, share their opinions and stuff. Because... I think especially right now, a lot of people just think racism is just very overt racism. People, people shouting racial slurs or, or other people not getting jobs because of the color of their skin. And it's, it's not, it's this, it's so, it goes so much deeper than that. It's so much more embedded in the day-to-day um, society in which we live. And I think that's what people don't get. And that's what we need to kind of get people to get before they can actually then go, oh, maybe 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 i've done some racist things and maybe i can improve and maybe i can do better whereas i think right now the the feeling with several people in the company will probably be like well i'm not racist so it doesn't matter yeah whereas it's like probably like you might oh you might be a little bit racist you just maybe don't know it because it's it's been embedded in like your entire upbringing if you've if you've been brought up to this country okay in terms of the um the internal element you, you mentioned drop-in um, you know drop-in sessions what 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 does that look like um, because I think look what, what you guys are doing is something phenomenal you know and, and just let me just touch on something a lot of people when we talk about these knee-jerk reactions um, it goes back to the, the the blackout Tuesday do you remember that yeah, you know, yeah. Put a, you know that's a perfect example of that right and yeah I did it actually and my wife said to me after she went now what yeah um and I, did like, I. It's the same. I think loads of people have done yeah. that and and i just didn't think about it um and 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 i think now it's it's about like educating people as you said but you're not just saying right we're going to review our diversity and inclusion strategy and we are going to be more aware about diversity and inclusion which is a lot of what people first did didn't they that's yeah. what you're talking about. Um, yeah, yeah, but what are these sessions then? You know, if, if I was working at Vancey right now and, you know, this session was on this afternoon, how is that, how is that not marketed, but how is that described to potential people? So the sessions right now, the weekly sessions we've got on are very kind of much around the, the planning of the activities we're doing and, and just sort of structuring that work. What we do also want to do, one of the activities we've got planned is, is to kind of create 
like monthly drop-in discussions, if you will, where um, each month we'll kind of focus on um, a different a different area or a different topic, and just just come together and just have just have essentially a chat in a in a in a safe space. Um, and we've kind of been doing that a little bit in the in the weekly in the weekly groups um, that we've been doing, just as a kind of it's been a very natural thing like obviously as as we're talking about um the tackling racism work and the activities and the why we're doing it and the challenges that we're going to be faced with um along this journey those conversations have come up very naturally and it's been it's just been very very interesting to hear the perspective of um of people in that group whether you know whether they're black members of the company or um whether they're asian or mixed race or white it's it's just a lot of these type kind of chats are conversations you wouldn't necessarily normally have, mm. especially at work, um, you know, where you kind of come in and you, and you do your job. Um, you don't necessarily kind of touch upon any of this more, more personal stuff. And it's just been really interesting and really nice to kind of create this safe space um, where, where everyone feels like they can kind of just share their thoughts and also not just kind of, share their own experiences and stories but then go oh do you know what i've done that before and i haven't really i haven't really thought about it but now you're telling me the impact that it had on you i can absolutely see how that's not okay and i, I feel yeah. bad and i'm now going to change my behaviors and because obviously the people in who've been in these these planning sessions have kind of been fairly invested in it and and kind of open to it that's been that's been obviously great and that's been a, a sort of a safe a safe space for people especially you know week on week as we've kind of got a bit closer mm. um i think it's really important that we then kind of replicate that for the wider company um and it's not going to be as easy because we're going to have to re kind of rebuild those those feelings of, of safety and um that's that's one of the kind of sort of core things we've 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 come back to time and time again with the with the work we've been planning the um the sort of safety versus comfort conversation and um and how they're not one one and the same and you know you there's going to be times where we do have to have uncomfortable conversations and 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 we do kind of have to talk about things that people maybe don't want to talk about because we won't grow otherwise like th there's a lot of growth mm. through discomfort isn't there and um I think if we don't do that, we don't kind of go, oh, I don't want to have this conversation, but I'm, I'm going to have to do it. I'm going to have to say something. We kind of owe it to each other to do that. And that's definitely a kind of challenge we face um, as a fairly, as a fairly tight knit company. Mm. You know, we, we, we very much work in an environment where we're up against it. A lot of the time people have to kind of band together. People go the extra mile. Like it's, it's quite a, it's quite a passionate group of people that work here um and and you kind of just have to be <laughs> to, to work here but because of that there are there are a lot of friendships within the company there are a lot of like bonds and i think that that in many ways makes it harder for people to call sort of you know call people out and and go oh i when you said that that wasn't great <laughs> yeah. and um and and that's something that we are we're very much aware that we're going to have to address and we'll, we'll come up against time and time again but I'm kind of hoping that we'll, we'll kind of go through a bit of a journey where right now people might not feel comfortable but they also might not feel safe as we as we go along and people um, people kind of buy into the, what we're doing and understand why we're doing it and and then kind of educate themselves and are educated by the work we're doing as well um, hopefully then people will kind of feel a bit safer um, but maybe a little bit uncomfortable. And then at the end, we want everyone to feel comfortable and everyone to feel safe, regardless of the kind of conversations we're having. Um, because yeah, and I think this is, you know, going back to the kind of overt racism um, versus less overt racism. It's a lot of that less overt stuff is what people are gonna trip up on and, and be challenged by and, um, and get their defenses up. Um, which is why one of the activities we're going to be doing is, is defensiveness training and um, looking into how people can kind of listen without getting defensive so they can actually hear what someone's saying. So if someone's going, actually, when you said that, I was offended by it. The first instinct people have a lot of the time is to go, no, well, I didn't mean to. I've caught, I would never, you know, I love you. You're my best friend. I would never ever do something like that. Whereas if you actually put that defensiveness down and like really try and squash it and go, 
okay, I'm actually listening to you. I'm actually hearing what you're saying. Tell me how you felt, even though I'm not really going to enjoy hearing this and it's going to make me feel uncomfortable and guilty and bad. That's how you're going to grow. If you, if you can truly listen to what they're saying and, and take that in, that's how you'll do better next time. Whereas if you just yeah. like, no, I definitely didn't do anything wrong here. I don't know what you're talking about. Next time you'll do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so true, isn't it? Um, so true. <laughs> why are Vanti doing this? Why, why, why is it that you guys are doing this? I think as a company, we, we feel a lot of, we feel a lot of care for everything. Like it care, so care, as I said, is one of our values and it's, it's one of the two most important to me. My, my two favorite Vanti values, and this is what I ask people in interviews as well. <laughs> my two favorite are integrity and care. So it's important for, it's important for me to do things in a way that, that, that is, is honest and transparent and, and done with, you know, with good meaning and, and genuine intent. And it's really important to care, like, especially when you're in a position of privilege as, as many of us within this company are like, you know, <laughs> it's um it's a company where as far as i know nobody is on like the bread line nobody's really like nobody's really sort of suffering in in that kind of way if they were we'd obviously be absolutely look out for them um and there's just a ton of a ton of care about the work we do but also the people we are and the people um the people we sort of support and contact and You'll hear a lot actually within Bunty when, when someone's like, oh, you know, I have to finish early today because my, my wife's having a really hard time. It's always like family first, family first. And that, that element of care is very, very lived within the company. Um, and I think that's, that's been a big driver of this. We, we, just, ch we just care. We care that, that there is injustice and we care that, um, that, that people don't have a great time. And we, in many cases, um, have the power to do something about it, even if that power is just changing our own behaviour. Mm. You know, we can we can absolutely spend the time doing this and ring fence that time and keep that slot sacred every week so we can kind of engage in this work. And we're in we're very much in this position of privilege where we we, we can do something about this. We can impact the individuals that work at Vanti, and we can individual uh, we can impact you know the work that Vanti's doing the people we work with on a wider scale like clients and suppliers and stuff if we can have that platform to make that change then it, it feels like a no-brainer it's just like it's the right thing to do like and 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 i just think you know there's no point sort of sticking your head in the sand and going oh i can't do anything about this or oh it doesn't concern me because it absolutely does it concerns everyone and if somebody is in if somebody is in a less privileged position than you through absolutely no fault of their own through like years and years of colonial rule and um and and people just sort of taking over islands years ago or or dragging people away from their motherland when they had absolutely no right to do so but that like the people today are still feeling the ramifications of those actions so there is this imbalance if you're on the if you're on the high side of the scale, why would you not want to bring people up? It's just the right thing to do to, to level that thing out. Yeah, I love that. So, so strong um, in terms of uh, not just uh, about the, the importance of the initiative, but actually why your culture isn't bullshit, if you know what I mean. Like, it's no, actually it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like actually empowerment because by treating your staff the way you are, you know, like that's just, it's giving them a reason, one, to stay loyal, obviously, but two, it's humanizing professional life, personal life, and embodying the two. Does that yeah. make sense? No, definitely. And I think that's a really good point, actually. Like, we, you spend so much of your life at work, and I don't understand people that have that kind of mindset where they're like, I'm just going to work really hard in a job I hate, a company I don't agree with for 40 years, and then I'm going to have a lovely retirement. It's like, yeah, but on the day you retire, you could literally get hit by a bus and then you'd have yeah. spent the majority of your life being utterly miserable. Like the amount of time we spend at work, the amount of time we spend with our colleagues, like why would you kind of not want to work for a company that you can kind of really sort of buy into and invest? And you know, I think we've probably seen with like Zoom calls over the past few months where you have to sort of 
where it's a, a less natural interaction, it's more wearing. So I come yeah. off in course being like, that wasn't a really natural interaction. Like I couldn't see the sort of like nuances and like the little bits where somebody pulls a little face and stuff. <laughs> like I couldn't see that stuff. And your brain has to kind of then work harder to sort of make sense of the situation, I think. And, and it's like that if you have to kind of put on a persona to come to work. If you have to wear a mask because you feel like you can't be yourself at work, it's just exhausting. And something that I really like about Vanity, because of how open we've been about mental health issues in the past, is that if I'm having a bad mental health day, as somebody that has suffered with like depression and anxiety since I was like 13, yeah. um, if I'm actually not in a great place, I can tell everyone and I can be like, I'm honestly feeling really bad today. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd like to maybe cancel these meetings. Everyone will be like, yeah, of course, no, don't worry about it. Just like look after yourself. And if I like halfway through the day went, I, f I just feel too bad, I can't work. If that, having a, a bad mental health day is, is a fully valid reason for not working. It's just as valid as like having, you know, a migraine or horrific stomach problems or anything like that. It's, there is very much this element of you don't have to just put on a brave face and get through the day. Like if you can't get through the day, you can't get through the day. And you know, kind of, you know, what you touched upon briefly about kind of like loyalty and it, it does help us retain staff. And there's coming back to the sort of business need. If you retain staff, first of all, you, you keep that knowledge and that skill set within the business, but also there is a, there's a huge recruitment cost. I think it's like 25,000 pounds it costs in terms of like, upskilling and, and onboarding and recruitment costs to to replace someone so as a small business we can't just like throw 25 grand out the window all the time <laughs> it just makes sense to make people comfortable and happy at work so they can actually do the best work it's it's really a no-brainer <laughs> yeah oh it's amazing it's uh it's a it's yeah it's it's great like the whole point of doing this podcast is to uh is to storytell and to talk about why these things matter um but also I, I love talking about businesses cultures and values we could talk about yeah. them all day so it's, oh, it's always it's always nice um last thing for me um and i always ask this um at the end of um of, of these podcasts but in your opinion what can businesses do more of in our industry to create a more equal platform for should we say underrepresented groups and, and maybe people of colour, gender equality, what, what do you think our responsibilities our, um, yeah, are in order to, you know, to really create that platform? I think, I think it's vital to actually take the time to, to think about this. And rather than just kind of go, oh, like, I'll just Google a template DNI strategy and then we'll just put our logo on it. Actually look at it in terms of, your current company, your current makeup, and, 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 you know, are you reflective of the society that you are living and working in? Like, we're not reflective of Birmingham, and that's like a kind of goal of mine. It would be great if like Vanity looked like Birmingham, or if you're in another city, if Vanity looked like Newcastle, and, you know, there weren't those sort of barriers that are like, oh, well, we get fewer, we get fewer girls into, into our developer roles, for example, even though there's loads of girls in Birmingham. Like, <laughs> Um, and we're absolutely not there yet. And it's, it's, it's important to not, again, with the kind of defensive thing, it's important to not get defensive and not make excuses and just go, yeah, do you know what? We're, we're really far from where we want to be. Like as a company, we don't have enough women in technical roles. It's, it's, it's ludicrous that we don't have enough women in technical roles um, because, you know, everybody brings a different approach um, and, uh, you know, a completely different you know, set of experiences basically. Um, and yeah, I think if you can then sort of go, all right, here's where we actually are. Where do we then want to be? And how do we get there? And put a kind of roadmap together for achieving that. And then just really, really commit to, to action around it. And if you can commit to that on a sort of, like I was saying earlier, like a kind of pace that you can maintain, make it sustainable, and, and really kind of commit to delivering it, then I think that's a really important thing to do. Something we've done um, within the last few weeks is sign up to the, um, the TTC, which is, is kind of designed to um, uh, improve uh, DNI in in technology. Uh, so that's a tech talent charter. Um, and they run kind of regular hackathons. They've got a really good open playbook. It's very kind of much 
driven around actionable stuff that companies can do. Every year, if you're a signatory of the TTC, you have to submit data for their annual report. Um, and it's a really good opportunity for companies to actually go, all right, well, what do we look like? And have we made any improvements from last year? It can kind of be used as an internal piece as well. By kind of committing to things like that, you're, you're sort of publicly setting out your stall. And then I think that kind of increases accountability as well. So I think it's just important to understand where you are, be brutally honest with yourselves, look at where you want to get to, and then put a plan in place for, for getting there that you can achieve. And if there's external accountability, that's fantastic. Like, it's really important for us to be very kind of open and transparent on the journey we're going through, through like our blog and social media and stuff. So, so people can see that we are, we are actually doing things and hopefully take some inspiration away from that, but also so we can kind of go, yeah, we're still doing it. We haven't, we haven't given up. We're not going to give up. We're still going to be doing this in like several years time. Yeah. Ria, um, you're a great example as a business, but also just in terms of your passion and your, your wanting to, to change things uh, in, in quite a, you know, a sensitive time. Um, you know, if we could do a, a documentary on 2020 uh it would be so fascinating wouldn't it for, for businesses and people alike um so what you guys doing is is a perfect example um for other businesses so thank you for sharing your your story and, and what you guys have been up to yeah, and if i'm really happy want... to talk about it like if anyone yes. wants to like chat about it they're more than welcome to to, to ask me like and we're going to be really open with the work we're doing and we're going to try and share as many resources that we generate as possible as well so i was just going to say actually if people do want to get in contact what's the best way for them to do so they can email me i'm uh, i'd like to be like yeah hook me up on linkedin i'm really bad at using linkedin i'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> the best thing is to email me which is ria.blackburn at vanity.co.uk um, which is Rhea is R-I-A and Blackburn is B-L-A-G-B-U-R-N. I have two fairly silly names, so I can only apologise for that. But I believe I'm the only one in the world, so it makes me, it makes finding me easier. I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing, though. Um, so yeah, me, or follow me on, on Twitter as well, which is Rhea Face. That was a, that was a university thing. Uh, I've never gone away. I like it. Every time I'm like, oh, maybe I should change it to Rhea Blackburn. I'm like, nah, <laughs> don't need to be professional. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Authenticity is always the best form. Exactly. Um, Very much. Yeah. Um, thank you so much once again. Um, and um, yeah, it's been a pleasure. And uh, look, let's do this again when you guys yeah. have, have got things moving and, and be fascinating to see where you guys are in, you know, three, six months. That no, sounds good. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. I'll speak to you soon. Right. Thanks. Bye.